Welcome everyone to a new episode of our Hardware X podcast featuring author interviews. Hardware X, as we know, is an open access journal established to promote free and open source designing, building, and customizing of scientific infrastructure. I'm your host, Santosh Pandey from Iowa State University. We are glad to have our guests today, Andrew Hill and Peter Prince from Open Acoustic Devices, which is a UK-based company that designs, supports, and deploys open source acoustic hardware and software for the user community, as well as their own environmental and wildlife monitoring projects. In October 2019, their team published a paper in HardwareX titled Audio Moth, a low-cost acoustic device for monitoring biodiversity and the environment. The paper was part of the special issue on open hardware for environmental sensing and instruments, edited by Chet Udell and Shannon Hicks. So thank you, Andrew and Peter, for coming to our show. So to start with, could you tell us about the story behind open acoustic devices, how it all started and how it all came together? Yeah, sure. My name is Peter Prince. So uh, the original project that founded Open Acoustic Devices started as mine and Andy's PhD projects. So okay. we're both uh, tackling a similar project from different angles. So it was to do with developing a low cost acoustic monitoring device for okay. conservation projects. So okay. Andy's uh, Andy came at it from the hardware side and I came at it from the software side and the firmware that we're running on it. So the whole point of this device was to take part in a couple of different projects. Uh, the first of which was a project called the New Forest Cicada Project, where we assisted in monitoring areas of the new forest in the UK, where uh, there was a species of cicada that is possibly extinct uh, that hadn't been seen for a number of decades. So we we're basically assisting in monitoring these areas over the course of a number of summers to see if the species was still present in the area or continuing on for an existing project, which in previous years had done uh, monitoring using a mobile app. So the AudioMoth allowed us to do it as part of 24-7 monitoring. Uh, okay. And the other project we took part in involved deploying them in the rainforest in Belize uh, to monitor the sounds of gunshots from poachers. So after we'd done those sort of projects, we iterated on the design of the uh, our device and eventually reached a point where we could uh, start selling it as a generalized acoustic monitoring device. So mm. we started selling those devices. And once Andy and I finished our PhD, we were able to form Open Acoustic Devices, which is the company that Andy and myself have been working on full time, along with Professor Alex Rogers as well, who was our PhD supervisor. So we've been working as part of OAD for about two years now. And so mm. the company's been selling the AudioMoth, the device that we developed, as well as consulting on various projects which use the device, as well as just general tech consultancy, helping people in the conservation space to use this technology and acoustic monitoring techniques and tools. Great. Andy, you want to add something to it? Uh, yeah, it started off as a, um, a Cicada Hunt app. So it was a, an Android-based, um, oh no, okay. it was a smartphone-based app. And that app was a citizen science project where you go out into, into the new forest to collect um, citizens going, collect samples of the new forest to try and see if the uh, new forest cicada is out there. Um, okay. And that was great. That worked well. But you can't leave your phone out for 24 hours. So that's the reason why we developed AudioMoth, because okay. the, um, you can't leave your phone out for 24 hours, whereas you can leave a very low-cost, purpose-built PCB for, for days and you don't... Don't need to worry about it getting damaged or or stolen. 
what does your team look like today? Like, I assume you would need engineers, environmentalists, colleges to work together across traditional boundaries of research. Yeah, so uh, our team today still is extremely small. So it still consists of myself, Andy and Alex Rogers. So my mm-hmm. work is on the software side and that involves the development of any kind of supporting software that go with the devices, as well as any like data analysis we do as part of our consultancy. So Okay. Yeah, if we go back to the um, the first question as well, we, we did start with two, two other supervisors with Alex Rogers, who was Patrick okay. Doncaster and Jake Snadden. And they were two, okay. one's an environmental scientist and the other's a conservationist um, ecologist. And together they, they brought lots of insights into the ecology and conservation space. Okay. I was just going to say, so yeah, so obviously uh, the audio moth started with that sort of like influence on the design side of it, but that's always been a, that's also been a thing going forward where we've always tried to involve conservation researchers and people who are actually going to be the ones using our device anytime Mm -hmm. we do any kind of design work. So for early audio moth that involved like early prototypes were involved in projects as they were going along and now even as we're developing new things such as like we've been trying to go into sort of the marine space so underwater sensors so every step of the way for developing that those kind of devices we've had people who are the experts in those fields to feed back to us about any design decisions we make and like send them prototypes to test out and say okay what works here what doesn't and things like that so a lot of it comes from like contacts and stuff. And I think a lot of people, especially in the conservation space, are happy to be involved in making the device better right. for their colleagues to use. Right. So I assume when you see the, your devices working in the field, there's a lot of satisfaction that you get. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think that was like a big thing as well for like mine and Andy's PhDs. Like we were involved in those projects. So like we were the ones climbing ladders and putting them up in trees as well. So seeing it firsthand is great, like especially right. on that level. I'm just curious, uh, your background in, in schooling, is was that more in engineering and computer science or was that more towards uh, ecology or environmental science? So my background uh, started with music and audio. Um, okay. And then I did a um, bachelor's of engineering in electronics. And then the PhD was computer science. Um, so right. yeah, that, that's my background. Whereas for me, I was like entirely computer science. And then towards the end of my master's, I sort of became a bit more involved in like the uh, interested in like the applications of those kind of things of using cross disciplinary stuff. So implying computer science to conservation and things like that and how it works, because that's generally a field that is growing a bit more, I think. Could you tell us about the technical aspects of the audio mod, especially the hardware and the software sides of it? Yeah, sure. So yeah, I can I can start with that. So Audiomoff is a simply constructed turnkey acoustic development board for monitoring biodiversity in the environment. And the board is based on a 32-bit M4 microcontroller, which is quite a powerful microcontroller. It has floating point um, arithmetic um, on hardware, and it also has lots of different energy modes. So you can put it to sleep while it's doing processing. Um, which is really useful for long-term monitoring. Um, So the device is the size of a credit card. Yeah, so all all of the components are sandwiched between the bottom layer of the PCB and AA AA battery holder. Um, Okay. So that protects the device while also making it 
robust to knocks and stuff. And the on the device is a micro SD card, a switch, so you can switch it in between three different um, operational modes. And it also has a micro a micro USB port, um, and that's for changing diff uh, so you can configure it. And it also has LEDs, so the users can see what it's doing. Okay. The microcontroller, is that microcontroller and the Bluetooth communication together on the chip? So it doesn't have a Bluetooth. Um, so the device is, is quite a simple microcontroller logger. So it logs data to micro SD okay. card. And this is where Peter comes in. So Peter developed supporting software um, okay. that supports the hardware. So you could probably explain what that's used yeah. for and how it functions. Yeah, so we have a couple of different applications that we've written for it. So we have a lot of different bits of functionality on the device, such as like a recording schedule, like when you want the device to turn on, as well as mm. like forms of rudimentary like filtering and things like that. And okay. all of that is is communicated over USB. So we send like a packet containing all of these settings from an application you run on your machine over a USB to the device. We also have uh, really simple ways of like flashing the device as well. So we have a piece of software that will like automatically um, you can use to send over new firmware as well as like a custom made firmware. So all of the software and everything we write is and firmware is all open source. So if users want to make changes themselves, then we provide the tools for them to get this custom software onto the device and how it interacts with the yeah. hardware. We all provide support for that. On a related question, Peter, all the new updates on the software has to be wired through USB into the microcontroller, right? Yeah. That we have experimented a bit more with like ways that you can like make changes in the field to how the device is set up and also to set the clock. So what you would do is you can set up uh, your schedule, like when you want the device to turn on and off at home, you send over USB. And then when you're in the field, we have a mobile phone app that can use a uh, encoded audio tone and you send, okay. you play that to your device, and then it can set the clock through that. So you can also set change some settings through that okay. using an application okay. we've got. So okay. we are experimenting with that kind of thing of like it doesn't okay. have to all be done in the lab. Okay. What we have seen from our experience is uh, the microcontroller chip consumes the most amount of power. So if you have ten sensors, the amount of power that all the ten sensors consume is much lesser than what the microcontroller and the Bluetooth consume. So do you run into such issues of power consumption and the microcontroller taking so much power? Um, the, so our most energy intensive task on our on AudioMath is writing to SD card. Um, okay. And that, that consumes anywhere from 20 milliamps to 80 milliamps, depending okay. on the SD card and the sample rate. And our, our idea is to try and limit that as much as possible using okay. duty cycles and filtering. So, and there's also very clever ways, things we do inside the hardware. So could you tell us about the design considerations that went into building the enclosure? Because I would assume these devices have to be put out in the open and they have to be exposed to sunlight and dust and rain and should still have access to record the sound signal. So I thought that was a pretty tricky problem. Yeah, so for, for that, um, we use an acoustic vent, which is uh, like a very clever sort of Gore-Tex um, sticker, which okay. allows air pressure to go through, but not, not any um, water. So what we do is, is design the case, 
And because because AudioMoth doesn't have any components on one side, you can lay the case right up against the enclosure and line up okay. the microphone with the drill hole and then put the okay. acoustic vent over the drill hole. Okay. When you started designing the system, did you do any simulations or rough estimates of how the sound waves actually decay over distance? Especially yeah. in an open environment, the decay would be dramatic. Yeah, so we did a, a two-week test in Belize um, for gunshots. So okay. in, in there, we were testing how far gunshots propagate um, in the rainforest. So it's, a, it's quite a thick, dense rainforest in okay. Belize in a subtropical environment. And we, what we did is staggered every 100 meters, we um, put an off device and then hmm. fired a gunshot to mm -hmm. see how, how much the gunshot decays over, over the distance. And it's quite interesting uh, hearing the gunshot decay through time. What was your finding? Uh, what is the maximum distance between the source and your audio moth that you can still capture reliable signals? So the average average is about 400 meters, but depending yeah. depending on the train, um, if there's no hill hills in the way, um, it can get mm -hmm. up to one 1.2 kilometers. Okay. Yeah, so terrain can carry the sound a lot further, understandably, and things like that. So, so did you notice humidity would be a big factor too? Yeah. yeah. So a combination of that and also like the thickness of the of the trees and everything around there because they're just well the trees are mostly water anyway, so they're going to be absorbing most of the sound. Okay. So I, okay. I, I, our idea was to do real time, eventually do real time detection using um, LoRa and long range radio. But we just we, we quickly figured out okay. that trees quickly block out any of the signal. Um, so right. the, the range it can go from 50 to 100 meters max, which isn't very really useful um, for getting back to a base station. So how expensive is your audio moth technology and can it easily be adopted by wildlife experts and ecologists? Yes, so the device, um, if you want to make one yourself um, using the hardware design files in the Harder X paper, it will cost you about 50 to 100 um, US dollars. And that main that main cost is uh, the PCB and assembly, so it will take you about a day to assemble it by hand. Um, okay. But then, if you were to buy it um, in a thousand, the unit price would go down to about fifty um, US dollars. And th this is a, this is the way we started um, producing it because we know conservationists um, most of them aren't very skilled with hardware. Um, manufacture yes. and, and building. Yeah, we developed a method of crowdfunding the manufacture and creating an economy of scale. So hmm. interested conservationists can join funds and get a device for a um, the bulk purchase unit cost, um, which saves them a lot of money, and it also means that they can get it without actually having to build it themselves. Yes. So I would imagine when when you are interacting with the target user groups. The front-end software is actually the face of your technology. So that has to be simple and easy to use. So, Peter, coming back to you, how did you get the attention of the customers and understand their needs and perceptions before designing your front-end software? Well, a lot of that comes from, has come from uh, 
getting together a large group of these customers and the people who are likely to be using it and showing them iterations of the software and going, okay, use this for a while. And then we would have, I would have like a few feedback sessions where I would like sit down on a call with them and speak through and say like, so what aspects of this process did you find particularly easy or particularly difficult and just identifying problem areas and going, okay, then what is the best way to sort of simplify this and streamline it? And is it necessary to have this information visible to them? Does it like complicate the process? Right. Basically just as each change is made, going back to them and saying, okay, now try this version. So did um, you have to provide any incentives to them to come and join your project? Or if I am that person, why would I join hands with you? Or why would I try, why do I have, where do I have that extra time to try your software? I mean, if I'm honest, like a lot of conservation people are totally happy to help if they're aware of what the end result is going to be. So if the result okay. is going to be a more affordable acoustic monitoring device, then they're more than happy to donate their time and say, okay, this is what we right. need and stuff like that. Right. So it's right. actually been surprisingly easy. Yes. Oh, sorry. Yeah, one thing Peter missed is that at the very start, we, we were the conservationists ourselves. We were the users ourselves and we developed it so we could use it in the field. So we, we had a lot of hands-on experience with deploying the device in, in the field and in the rugged environment where, where it was to be used. Okay. So what are some aspects of the technology that could be improved? Uh, I was thinking, is there scope to add artificial intelligence or machine learning models right on the place where streaming data is coming and you can actually make sure that you're not saving all the raw data, but the model is actually tracking what is that sound bytes that are interesting or that have information that I want to save in the micro SD card and rest of it, I reject. Is that possible or is that uh, yeah. we have, something? Yeah, we have yeah, been so looking is, into that sort of thing, yeah. Let you go ahead, Andy. Yeah. yeah, so this is exactly what Peter's... Um, studied for his PhD, he, he um, developed a machine learning algorithm for gunshots based on the decay, based on the pattern. Um, and, and that's where Audiomoth really has its benefits because because it's not writing to SD card, it can just listen for a lot longer because the SD card is not consuming power. And more recently, we have been sort of like aiming to look at ways that we can, uh, so people can develop their own models. And the main challenge is being how do we get it so people can design their own models and get them onto the device? And what level of hardware do we need to run more modern uh, machine learning techniques on the device? So it's definitely something that we are looking into, but obviously it requires a lot of it requires a lot of stuff on the user interface side to make it doable, and also on the hardware side, being able to support it and having the processing power to run it. So did you always want to make your technology open source? And do people actually come to your website and purchase your system, even though it is open source? Um, yeah, Peter, do you want to go? Uh, oh, sure. Okay. Uh, yeah, so we did really what well, open source was a fairly core tenant when we were making the device, just because it makes it a lot easier to adapt uh, and adopt in places where uh, building the device yourself is a lot more achievable than obviously ordering it from another country and bringing it in. And it also right. encourages more technically minded users to like innovate and build upon this sort of framework that we've built. So the AudioMoth itself, uh, all of the firmware, all of the hardware, all the software, we make everything open source mainly for that reason. So uh, if you have a project that 
maybe you want to develop your own like machine learning techniques to run on the device or you want to change the way it works to incorporate mm-hmm. some grand new feature you thought of we allow that to happen so all of us it would make it easier for you to write custom firmware and get that onto your device we have guides so you can incorporate features that we've already developed in the base firmware and bring that into your software so having mm-hmm. it open source sort of helps to foster a community of like building on the work that we've done and we're able to use that sort of thing and like use that to inspire our designs for what features people want. Okay, great. And you want to add to it? Yeah. Yeah. So we, um, as well as, as well as all of the benefits of having an open source design for getting the device out there with technically minded users who, who really make it, make it something that we, we can't ourselves. Um, Mm -hmm. we, we also work with two partners, um, who are, Group gets who organise the group purchases. They also have a store, so they they manufacture them the device themselves. And also, we work with a company called LabMaker um, who do open source open source getting the device out there to people already made. Um, and to get, together, those two, and also making it open source and people manufacturing it themselves, we've d- delivered about thirty thousand audiomuths that are being used um, for different projects around the world. Okay. Are you able to track the data that is being collected through all these 30,000 devices across the world? Uh, I think it's reached a point now where we have so many people using them. It's a bit hard to sort of directly keep track. It's nice to suddenly see like pictures and stuff pop up on uh, Twitter Mm. and things like that, where Mm. people have like an audio moth in the background for it that they've used to collect it or using it like tagging us in it but it's a bit i think it's reached a point where like it's a bit too much for us to keep track of all of the users yeah it would help if you have like a community forum or something where anyone who is using your device they will ask questions on on how to improve or see what other applications it is being used and and it would spark some uh, oh we have exactly that so yeah. Oh, you have that. Okay. Yeah, so we have a community of users on our website where on the forum anytime there's any kind of like well, any suggestions for ways to use the device and also issues they have, as well as us feeding back on there. We have, we've existed now for long enough that we have experienced users who will respond as well and say, oh, I remember a project like this. They experienced okay. that issue or here, use this okay. example. Okay. On our website, we have um, over, over 1,500 members who, who communicate with each other and talk to each other about AudioMoth and their experiences. So it's okay. it's quite mature mature the um, open source community and also the user community behind it. So how was your experience with Hardware X, and do you have any suggestions for the journal? Um, yeah, it was, re- it was really great being involved with uh, an open source um, journal okay. and like be- being in the movement. It's the, mo- the, okay. the open source movement is really really inspiring to get that out there, and it, I think it really helped AudioMoth's scientific integrity. Um, for the users wanting to adopt it as well into the future. We designed AudioMoth for one application, which was the um, gunshot and cicada study. And we had no idea how many other possibilities there were. So making it open source and making it flexible has opened it up to thousands of people rather than just two projects that are quite niche. I would really call it a revolution because as you mentioned, so many people are joining your community groups and using your devices and you are just providing all the resources for them. So thank you so much for coming to our show and congratulations again on your innovative acoustic technologies to save the planet, the wildlife and the environment. 
Yeah, thanks. Thanks for Thank you us. very much. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you.